Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Thank you, Caleb, for leading us in music. John chapter 14, and this morning we want to continue our two-part examination of what it means to pray in Jesus' name. We looked last week on what it means to have access through Jesus Christ in Jesus' name and what that means for us. And we wanted to study this idea of praying in Jesus' name so that we know what we're doing and we know what we're saying when we say, in Jesus' name I pray. As you are turning to John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, I think I have a question for you. What good is privilege if you don't know how to use it? I think about, suppose you were given access, you were given membership into an exclusive club. Maybe there's a club, maybe it's a country club, maybe it's an organization, uh, a fellowship, something that you'd love to join, but it costs too much money, or you don't have the right lineage, or whatever, and you are granted membership into this club. Now, what good will that membership do if you don't know how the organization operates, if you don't know where they meet, if you don't know where the front door is? I think about when my wife and I were dating she lived in a neighborhood that had a pool, and it was a pool just for people in that neighborhood. And you had to come into the pool. Everybody in the neighborhood had the privilege. It was theirs to go to the pool. But when you went to the pool, you still had to sign in. You had to give them your driver's license. You had to write your name and the address that you lived in in the neighborhood. If I had just showed up at the pool and said, I know somebody who lives here, it would not have worked. They would not have let me in. So there's, the, there's a difference between privilege and knowing how to use the privilege rightly. And so we've talked about how prayer is a tremendous privilege. But it's also true that if we want to use the privilege and enjoy the privilege, we must use it rightly. We must know how to use it. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? That's what we want to look at this morning. So if you're there in Matthew, I'm sorry, in John chapter 14, verse 12, let's remind ourselves of what the verses say. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So last week we looked at two aspects. We mentioned two aspects of this passage. Jesus' coming departure. Remember that? Jesus says, I am going to the Father, right? But we also mentioned Jesus' continuing determination. Jesus had a mission when he was here on earth. And there's a number of ways that we could phrase that. But one of the ways that Jesus phrases it is at the end of verse 13 that he came, why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when Jesus comes to live a perfect life, 
to live among sinners, to teach, to heal, to die on the cross. Yes, he is saving sinners, but, but why is he saving sinners? Yes, because he loves us, but, but why does he show love to us? All of that is so that he might be glorifying to his Father, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. So that's Jesus' continuing determination. Now, when we put these two things together, we begin to understand what praying in Jesus' name is really focused on. Notice, Jesus says in verse 12, Truly I tell you. So this is a promise. This is something that needs to be, to, we need to pause. Whenever you see Jesus say this, this is something that you need to pause because it's that that amen, 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 truly, truly, I tell you. So this is a promise that Jesus is making. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. But not just that, he will do even greater works than these. So Jesus says, I've been doing these works, but you're going to do the same works, right? You see that also there? When you say also, what does that mean? That means this is going to be like this. These things are going to be similar. So he's, Jesus says, I've been doing these works and you're going to do works like me. But not only that, Jesus says you're going to do greater works. Doesn't, doesn't he say that? And he will do even greater works than these. Then what? Then all the things that Jesus has been doing that we hear in the Gospels. So notice it's a promise It's a promise given to believers. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me. Now, we have to be careful right here because if we if we just launch out into thinking, well, what what do we think this believe means? We might miss the context. The entire context of the passage is about believing. If you go up just a little bit in beginning in verse one, what does Jesus say? Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So there's believing, right? Believe that there's a connection, right? But skip down just a little bit. In verse 5, Thomas says, We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So again, they're together. Then he says, If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So again, If you know the Father, you know the Son. If you know the Son, you know the Father. We cannot know the Father apart from Christ the Son. Verse 8, Lord said, Philip, show us the Father and that's enough for us. What does Jesus say? Have I been among you all this time and you don't know me, Philip? Look at this. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The word I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. Why? Because the Father who lives in me does his works. So the Father is working in the Son to bring glory to the Father through the Son. He says, believe, verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Then Jesus says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me. So this belief isn't just whoever has a warm, fuzzy feeling about me. 
this belief isn't just whoever believes that I existed at a point in history and time. No, it's whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God sent to reveal the Father to us. Whoever believes in Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. This person who recognizes the connection between Father and Son will do works like Jesus and even greater works. Why? Look at verse 12. Because I'm going to the Father. So what you see here is Jesus comes to reveal the Father so that the Father is glorified in the Son Jesus is departing, and then he says, you're going to do the same works. For what purpose? The exact same continuing determination. Jesus says, those who believe in me, those who follow me, will have a burning desire, a continuing determination to glorify the Father through Christ the Son. Now, in that context... That we have this promise that we will do works and even greater works. We have to ask two questions. What does Jesus mean by we will do even greater works? How is it possible that we'll do greater works than Jesus? Well, he says we'll do greater works. Why? Because he's going to the Father. There's something that's going to happen between this passage and the end of the gospel that's going to change everything. And we know what it is, right? Jesus goes to a cross. He's crucified. He, the, the wrath and just judgment of God is poured out on Jesus in the place of sinners. The Son nailed in the sinner's place. He dies. He's dead for three days. And then he raises back to life on the third day. And now he is the resurrected Lord. And then he ascends into heaven. He's the ascended Lord. And they send the Spirit and the Spirit of God comes. So now, and when we get to the book of Acts, it's Acts 1.8, right? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So not only are they greater in, they're greater in quantity, they're going to be more widespread. It's not going to be limited to the promised land of Israel. It's going to be worldwide in scope. But it's going to be done in the power of the Spirit and the resurrected Jesus. So these greater works are greater in quantity and we might even say quality. Because it's not a human Jesus, the God-man Jesus... But it's the resurrected Jesus through his spirit and his people. So that's the first question. What does Jesus mean? We're going to do these greater works. We're going to continue to do works and do greater works for the glory of the Father in Christ the Son. But then the second question we might ask is why? Why would we continue to do this? And then how do we continue to do this? We do this because of the continuing determination of Jesus. His heart is to be our heart. His mission is to be our mission. His purpose is to be our purpose. Right? And what, this, what I hope you begin to see is how this ought to contour and shape our prayer life. When you pray, praying in Jesus' name 
Yes, it means bring your requests. Yes, it means bring your burdens. Lay them down. But you're laying them down in the will of God to glorify the Father through the Son. Every request, every burden is filtered through that. Because that's what Jesus came to do. So we, we're going to do these greater works. But then how do we do these greater works? Let's not miss the connection Jesus makes here. Jesus says you're going to do what I'm doing. And you're going to do even greater works. So what does he say immediately after that? Does he say, all right, now let's get to work. Roll up your sleeves. Let's go outside, grab a shovel, grab a pickaxe. We're going to work to do these. What does he say? You're going to do great works. And then what does he say in verse 14? Whatever you do, whatever you labor. No, what does he say? Whatever you ask. How is it that we accomplish these great works and these greater works? Jesus' own context is through prayer. So asking in Jesus' name is somehow connected to us doing these greater works. These greater works that will glorify the Father in Christ the Son. So again, hopefully this is starting to weed out some of the misunderstandings of what praying in Jesus' name means. Praying in Jesus' name does not mean ask whatever you want and then you tack on in Jesus' name on the caboose. And the whole time you're praying, God's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then you say in Jesus' name and he says, come on in, we'll, we'll do all of it. No, praying in Jesus' name is to say, think of it this way, it's to say, I, I want to pray in accordance with the purpose, the, the, the reason Jesus came and the representation of who Jesus is. Think of it this way. Have you ever had somebody that you were pouring your heart out to and you were talking to them and maybe you were complaining a little bit and they said, I hear you. I hear you, man. I hear you, sister. I understand. They're not saying that they audibly hear you, right? Unless you're screaming and they're trying to tell you to tone it down a little bit. They're like, I hear you just fine. No, they're saying, I hear you. I, under, I, I am receiving. I am taking it into myself and my counsel. And I got it, right? That's, that's what Jesus is saying. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying something that, that God will say, I hear you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to answer. But when we think about in Jesus' name, I think a good word for us to think of is the word behalf. We're asking on behalf of Jesus' name. Jesus' name and his reputation so how would our prayer life change when, if our prayers became more about magnifying the name of Jesus, making much of the name of Jesus, praying on behalf of the name of Jesus being glorified and the Father being glorified in the Son? So, 
It's in this context that we begin to see what Jesus is talking about in verse 13. So, so praying in Jesus' name means that there is a promise for believers that we will do greater works. Those greater works are done through prayer. Because in verse 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Now, let's be honest. Half the time, that's where we stop, isn't it? That's where the next verse stops, right? Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And this verse has been abused to the end of the earth and back, right? And so it probably shouldn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. Praying in Jesus' name is not a way for you to twist God's arm to give you whatever you ask. You cannot force God to do something just because you ask it in Jesus' name. But also, let me say this as lovingly as possible. Something that you're praying that is good, that is righteous, that is honorable, virtuous. You pray it in Jesus' name. That doesn't necessarily mean that it'll happen either. Because here's the thing. When Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That's not the same thing as Jesus saying, I will do it the way you asked me to do it. So sometimes we collapse the what with the how so much that we can hardly distinguish between the two. So let's say you're praying for someone's salvation or, or, or someone's repentance, that they'll come back to Christ. And, you, and they're going through a hard time and you say, God, maybe you can use this. I, I want them to, to see them turn around. Maybe they'll, they'll come back because of what they're going through. And then they don't. And then you say, well, God, God didn't answer that prayer. I think what you're doing is you're confusing the what with the how. God may answer that prayer, but he's going to do it in his time. And he's going to do it in his way. So God may hear your prayer, but he may not do it the way you expect him to do it. Can we just, if you've ever prayed something and God answered it in a, in a way different than how you asked, can you say amen? That right there should encourage every single one of us. The many times that we've prayed and God answered in a way that was different than what we expected. So let's be careful about confusing the what and the how. But continuing in verse 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And here's where the key is. So that this is the purpose. This is the reason why Jesus will answer what you ask in his name. Why? So the Father may be glorified in the Son. Praying in Jesus' name is for us to say in regards to our requests, God, in whatever area you see fit to use my request to bring glory to Jesus to the Father, may it be so. And if the way I'm asking 
will not, then help me to rest and trust that you will do what will bring you the most glory. Now, here's the thing. Here's where we get a little mixed up because what we'll do is we'll confuse good desires, things that we'll pray for God's glory, but our our understanding of glory is so limited. Let me put it this way. Sometimes we pray for God to be glorified in a situation, but what we're really praying is God can only be glorified if He responds to the situation the way we want Him to. Let's say you're praying for healing. Would God not receive glory if that illness, that, that condition just disappeared overnight? Right? We would all agree God would receive the glory for that. But is it not also true that God could receive glory when that condition doesn't go anywhere, but then God uses you to tell people, even though I'm dealing with this, I am so thankful for how it has drawn me closer to my Savior. Cannot God be glorified in that? Cannot God be glorified in ways that are beyond our comprehension? Maybe you're, maybe you're praying for something. You've been praying for something for years and it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it hasn't happened yet because God is being glorified for his patience. Maybe there's a lost family member that you keep praying for. And you say, God, wouldn't you be glorified, Jesus? Father, wouldn't you be glorified in the Son if that person was radically changed? Well, isn't the fact that that person's still breathing a testimony to the glory of God's loving kindness and patience towards that individual? You see, when we talk about the Father being glorified in the Son, we might need to open up our definition of how God the Father receives glory in Christ the Son. But one thing we can be sure of is that if we ask something... That brings glory, the most glory to the Father in the Son. Jesus will do it. And at this point, I feel like we need to say, I know we often struggle with unanswered prayer. I struggle with unanswered prayer. We wonder, God, why have you not answered this prayer? And have you ever stopped and wondered at the fact that God answers any of your prayers? Jesus says, I will do it. Now, we might read that and be encouraged, but but that is so much deeper than you might realize. Because first of all, understand this, that we know the Bible says that we're sinners. That we've sinned, we've, we've rebelled against God, we were separated from God, we had no fellowship, no communion with Him. We could only talk last week about how we can only come through Jesus Christ and be heard, right? So... Before Jesus made a difference in your life, you had no right, no reason, no expectation that you could ask something and God would do it. 
Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't hear the prayers of unbelievers. God will answer prayers of unbelievers out of his grace and his kindness and good love towards people who hate him. That's the kind of God he is. It says more about him than it does about them. But understand this, this I will do it, that was, that was for none of us apart from Christ. Not only that, but you would not have been praying in a way that you would hope God would get glory out of it. So here's what God does. You're separated from God in your sin. God sends his son, Jesus. Jesus comes willingly and he lives a perfect life. He takes our unrighteousness to a cross. He bears our guilt and our shame. And he takes the punishment we deserve. And he buries it as he's buried in the grave. And then he rises again, right? So now, understand this. You can actually pray and ask for something that God will hear and say yes to and get glory from it. God took you and brought you to a place that you actually do something that brings the Father glory in Christ the Son. What? Are you kidding me right now? That I would make one simple request and God would look at that and say, I'm going to do that. And that I am the one that asked. And that it's answered and that I would ask for something that will result in God the Father being glorified in Christ the Son. When you talk about a privilege, understand when Jesus says, I will do it. There's so much more there than on the surface. He says, I will do it. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And just to reiterate, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So how do we summarize what Jesus is teaching here? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Praying in Jesus' name means that believers ask in a way that the Father is glorified in the Son. Praying in Jesus' name is for us to make our request, to our complaints, our burdens, all of it, for the same purpose that Jesus had, to glorify the Father. If we begin to think of our prayers that way, what would change? Would the content of your prayers change a little bit? Would you have a little bit more satisfaction and contentment in your prayers? In verse 14, there's a a difference between verse 13 and 14. Look at what it says in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Right? But then in verse 14, what does Jesus say? If you ask, what, me, anything, in my name, I will do it. 
asking in Jesus' name means that everything is filtered through Jesus Christ. It's to Jesus Christ so that he may glorify the Father. We pray for many things. We pray for healing. We pray for provision. We pray for guidance. All of those prayers should be couched and surrounded and understood as prayers for the Father to be glorified in the Son. So what do we do with this? Well, we've, we've talked a little bit about application along the way, but I want to suggest to you two more. Number one, maybe, maybe you begin to start asking, you begin to start asking how answers to prayer bring the Father glory, especially those answers which you do not like. Those prayers that are not the answer you're looking for. Maybe you begin asking, God, show me how this is bringing you glory. Show me how this is bringing the Father glory in Christ the Son. But then the second application, I think, is we need to examine our motives in many of the prayers we pray. There is a there is a, a a a holy honesty that we are to have, and there, there's no point in trying to deceive the Lord in the thoughts of our hearts and our minds when we're in prayer. God knows it. There's no point in being a hypocrite and pretending like we're not upset or angry or frustrated. God knows all those things. But again, when we are making those requests, what is the motive behind it? There may be secondary motives, that we love the person, that we understand how difficult the situation is for them or for us, but maybe we need to get underneath that and ask, what, what is the motive underneath that? We're, we are complex human, human beings are complex, okay? You, you may be praying for someone and you'd say, the motive is, is, I, is I love them, uh, and I want them to be out of this situation. But maybe there's a motive of also, I'm tired of dealing with this situation. Maybe, maybe there's a motive of, I, I, just, I wish I could be comfortable. If, if, my, if my life could just be a little bit more comfortable, right? So th- there's, there may be a whole mix of motives. But maybe what needs to be injected into that conversation is, what are we praying And are we looking for how the Father may be glorified in the Son? I think when we pray in Jesus' name, what we're asking is that somehow what we're we're asking for will be used by the Father. It will be done by the Son to bring praise to Him. So, How can we even have such an assurance? How can we even trust that God will do this? It's really very simple, folks. Because the whole New Testament, 
And, and the whole Bible tells us that God loves to bless his people. That God loves sinners. He loved you. And if you ever doubt that God could do this, that he could use your prayers, and if you ever marvel at the fact that God could use your prayers, you have to look no further than what Jesus did for you. We're going to respond to what we've heard this morning by taking the Lord's Supper together. And this is a chance for you to be reminded of the commitment that Jesus made to you to redeem you, to reconcile you. The Lord's Supper is God in Jesus Christ bringing you to the table and promising that his body and his blood are sufficient for you to be reconciled back to God. And because you've been reconciled back to God, the prayers that you pray in his name can be used for God's glory. So there's two things that we need to do before we partake of the Lord's Supper. First of all, we need to respond to what we've heard about our prayer life. And so we're going to take a moment and you respond where you are as the Lord leads. Maybe you need to confess that you've been praying selfishly. Maybe you need to confess that, that you haven't factored in how the Father's glory plays into your prayers. Or maybe you need to pray that same prayer you've been praying, but then release it for God to be glorified and however he sees fit. So take a moment and respond as the Lord leads. And then after a few minutes, I'll come back up and I'll be down here if you want somebody to pray with you. But after this time of response and prayer, I'll come back up and we will take the Lord's Supper together.